There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. center of the galaxy this is the four center podcast feed and this particular episode of the four center podcast feed is the clone wars report <laughs> uh, that was great that was like a really really a terrifying beast uh beginning to do maybe some jazz sounds with their mouth it was witch scatting <laughs> Witch scatting is one of my favorite uh, forms of music that maybe exists, probably exists. I don't know. I'll search Spotify or Shazam. I'll Shazam just the earth for witch scatting. Yeah. Anyway, we are happy to be here. 
I am Joseph Scrimshaw, and the person who's doing the witch scatting is Ken Napsok. We love talking about the Clone Wars. We are discussing every episode or arc. If the story continues over many episodes, we are getting toward the very end of season four. We are here today to talk about the tragedy of the Night Sisters, but really mostly the tragedy of Asajj, the hope of Asajj. I should have thought yeah. more about this title, Ken. Uh, <laughs> the episodes in this arc are season four, episode 19, Massacre, written by Katie Lucas and directed by Stuart Lee. Season four, episode 20, Bounty, written by Katie Lucas and directed by Kyle Dunleavy. Before we even get into the summary, uh, let's just do some work right here on the air. What do you think the title of this arc should be? Uh, this should be the... Rise, fall, and redemption of Ventress. <laughs> Not quite yeah. full redemption. Maybe the uh, fall and rise. I think you're onto something because it really does yeah. end on a hopeful note. Yeah, it does. It's, I love the note. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. Maybe that fault. The fall and rise of Asajj Ventress. Vent Can't even say the name. Yes, Ventress. <laughs> <laughs> Ventress. Perfect. Ventress. Well, I'll give you a break from talking because I'm going to dive into the summary of this uh, two episode arc. Here we go. Fractured. Identity. After the betrayal of both Dooku and her own Dathomirian assassin, Savage Opress, the former separatist, Asajj Ventress, returns home to Dathomir. The leader of the Night Sisters, Mother Talzin, welcomes her back with open arms, assuring Asajj that her true destiny is ahead of her. The Night Sisters hold a magic rebirth in a spooky pond for Asajj, then celebrate with a feast. But the joy is short-lived as Count Dooku has decided now is the time to get revenge on the Night Sisters for attempting to kill him. The Sith Lord sends droid leader General Grievous to Dathomir. Asajj is racked with guilt that her past has come to destroy her future. But she fights on, leading the Night Sisters against the droid legions. Mother Talzin retreats to a hidden cave where she asks the Night Sister elder, Old Daka, to perform a chant. The spell causes dead, mummified night sisters to emerge from cocoon-like burial pods hanging from trees. Asajj faces Grievous and almost defeats him, but the cowardly general commands his droids to fire on Asajj. She is wounded and retreats into the forest. Talzin then uses a lock of Dooku's hair and a small effigy to cause the Count great pain and perhaps even death. But on Dooku's command, Grievous follows a trail of green magic to the hidden cave, kills old Daka, stops the army of the undead, and slaughters the entire Night Sister clan. Mother Talzin escapes in green spirit form and er encourages Asajj to flee as well. Asajj heads to the Outer Rim to drink her problems away at Chalman's Cantina and falls in with a gang of bounty hunters led by young Boba Fett. In search of money and purpose, Asajj joins his mission. Boba Fett, Asajj, Bosk, Lats Razi, High Slinger, and a young, sprightly Dengar head to the world of Quarzite, where they are given the task to guard a mysterious box for marauders on an underground subtram. The tram is then attacked by cage warriors riding Milodons. One by one, the bounty hunters are thrown from the tram until only Asajj and Boba Fett are left standing. They unlock the box and discover the secret cargo is a young woman named Pluma. Boba is bested by the leader of the cage warriors, Pluma's brother, Crismo. But Asajj subdues Crismo with multiple gut punches and a force choke. Pluma then shames Asajj, saying she's only turning her over because Asajj does not understand what it's like to be ripped from your home. Asajj, of course, understands is that is exactly what happened to her. Boba insists they complete the mission, and Asajj insists the Force choke the air out of the young bounty hunter. 
So the tram arrives at its destination where Asajj discovers the Belugan leader, Awada Blank, has kidnapped Luma to be his bride. Asajj collects her payment, and Oda Blank discovers she's actually delivered Boba Fett in a box. Asajj has freed Pluma and Crismo, taking credits from them as well. She returns to the surface and gives the other hunters their cut, even leaving money for Boba. The bounty hunters suggest she stay with them, but Ventress says no. She has found her own path and her own future for now. So there you go. Two episodes with a lot of action. Ken, uh, what what is your overall reaction to this arc? Uh, first of all, the, applaud that uh, that uh, summary because there's this this these two episodes go everywhere. There's <laughs> right. only like two or three locations, but it goes everywhere. <laughs> and all star of roster of characters. Uh, I, I love that summary and love these episodes. Really enjoy these episodes. The bounty episode in particular is this great sci-fi thrill ride, al- along with the deep themes and all the stuff going on. And, and Corsite might might actually be uh, like a Denis Villeneuve Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> like maybe he can, maybe he'll finally love Star Wars if he watches this episode. It just uh, that that uh, that that really pulled me in more than it did in the past. Yeah. So did you like these episodes in the past? Do they linger in your imagination? I really liked him. Uh, I really liked him. The problem was, I think I, I thought they were in the earlier arc, the big, uh, the big uh, uh, Talson and, and Ventress arc with Katie Luke, Lucas writing it. Uh, right. Early the on. creation of Savage and the betrayal of Dooku and all that. Correct. Yeah. I thought, I thought this was uh, just a, that's ah, like, was the next episode. Clearly not clearly its own thing. And it works even better as its own thing it, it, for us to check in with Ventress and kind of uh, push her on down the line in terms of storytelling and, 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 and a wide open future really effective. So I've always liked them and now I really love them because I have a better sense of where they are in the story. Yeah, <laughs> that helps a lot, right? Yeah, yeah, as I've been saying, as we go through season four, I was speed watching these episodes to get to the return of Maul. These episodes kept feeling like, I bet Maul's going to pop up. And then, no, he still wasn't back. We'll get to that uh, when we discuss the uh, final two episodes of season four. But I also remember being emotionally gut punched by these episodes. Like, uh, I was on the side of the Night Sisters. Uh, I think that it just the, the way that it's presented that they actually do have a community. They're not really trying to mess with anybody and it's everybody else who's causing them problems. Right. And the way that episode is structured, I remember thinking like, yeah, you got a bunch of droids and hubris, but uh, uh, these ladies are creative and have magic and you're, you're done for group. And like, Oh no, uh, <laughs> just being shocked. Do they actually get uh, totally wiped out? And then, Hey, great. More with Boba Fett. He's getting closer to, uh, you know, being the bounty hunter that we know. Is that Dengar? More boss content. Is that Shaman's Cantina? <laughs> yeah. Is I was intrigued by all of it, but just sort of distracted by how much it was, right? Mm, yeah, no, especially I, I was um, laughing that, that, you know, they go to Chalmans and it's like that that was back then was almost like a crazy novelty. Right. Like <laughs> just like well, they went there. Now it happens a lot. I don't mean that in a negative way uh, from Mando uh, and to other episodes. I, I, I love it. I love seeing Chalmans. Uh, it's fun. But I, I totally forgot that. Yeah, that sh- she slides in there. Yeah. Yeah. How many can how many people do you need for a softball team? You need uh, nine on the field, maybe a couple bench players. We're almost there. Okay. I'm thinking if we could make a softball team out of Chalman's Cantina bartenders yet. And <laughs> <laughs> You're getting there. We're getting close. We're getting close. I think Wu Hair would probably be on the bench. Uh, yeah. Sorry, Wu Hair. Yeah. It's just your surly attitude. Anyway, uh, <laughs> watching these this uh, arc, these two episodes together um, in the flow, I really love them. Uh, I think I'm even, I always liked Asajj, but I'm so much more 
attached to her uh, yeah. and attached to this arc of her being lost in without purpose and identity and trying to find herself and, you know, knowing where the story goes and other storytelling makes this uh, arc even more powerful. Uh, but then it's kind of fascinating in that we'll get into the details, of course, but mm-hmm. from Asajj's perspective, this is one story with two parts about her kind of trying to find herself. Uh, but in terms of the actual content and the style, in some ways they could not be more different, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I just, I've talked about this a lot of one of the things I really like about Clone Wars is it really seemed like any uh, restraints were pulled back and Lucas and Filoni and everybody else involved were like, Star Wars is about dipping into other genres to make this unique thing that is Star Wars. And that the fact that the first one is just no holds barred, uh, witch folk horror. Yeah. <laughs> right. With hidden caves, undead mm-hmm. mummified zombie night sisters, uh, cursed wax idol of Count Dooku, boils, everything, mm-hmm. everything mm-hmm. you could want. It's just so all in horror. And then it's it's definitely through the science fiction uh, space fantasy lens of Star Wars, but that second one is such a western, right? Of the yeah. the new person wanders into town and goes to the dusty cantina and ends up involved in a train heist and with gunslingers having to make a moral choice in this frontier world. Like the whole second uh, episode has this very western vibe to me. Yeah, to the point where I think uh, the Mandalorian should credit like this episode for just being that kind of uh, you know gunslinger goes off and finds a mission vibe. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and there's also a little bit of a trope that I, that happens in anime. It uh, happened in Firefly. Of uh, uh, there's valuable property in a box, and it turns out to be a girl. So, <laughs> you know, it's, it's so funny. It's been such a long time since I've sat down with these episodes. Uh, I obviously know, remember once it happens, but along the, on 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 the train ride, I'm like. I think I remember there's a twist in that box. <laughs> <laughs> they have some fun with underline and italicizing and bolding. We don't know what's in the box. <laughs> it's a mystery. Don't uh, look. Yeah. And then I feel like the episodes are connected in that um, in general for Clone Wars, they're pretty action packed. Like there's just a ton of just yeah. screen time. That's just great action. And then both episodes are very, um, they're dark and murky, like literally. Right. Uh, yeah. Obviously, that's the nature of Dathomir, but you were describing the great uh, dark purple, you know, subterranean mm-hmm. uh, crystal caves that's yeah. uh, just got this great attitude or uh, not attitude, aesthetic that matches uh, what Asajj is going through of kind of this this journey into the, the darkness of the soul to find out who she wants to be. Yeah, the burst of hope, it comes very much at the end and the, the rest of it is, is a bit of a, a dark and gray world uh, with the beautiful purple and, and red of uh, uh, Dathomir in there as well. Uh, but yeah, it really makes it even more effective. It, it, it's perfect for the character, right? Perfect yeah. for Ventress to find herself in these two worlds in this story. Yeah, yeah. So let's dive in. Uh, we always like to talk about the morals of the episode. So the first one is, one must let go of the past to hold on to the future. And the second moral is, who we are never changes, who we think we are does. Uh, did either of those speak to you? 
They both work really well together, really well. They're pretty clear, but also leave some room for spiritual wandering and to find the answer <laughs> that maybe best uh, suits, uh, suits your needs. Uh, the the first one, one one month uh, let go of the past, hold on the future. Uh, I think works just like I love it. It's crisp, it's clear, uh, and it's a lot of what's going on. I was a little obsessed with the second one. The more I thought about it, though, who we are never changes. Who uh, we I think we are does. It's I saw it a little bit of like the reverse solo in a way. <laughs> Like he's always thinking he's one thing, but he kind of deep down knows and it's just kind of how you view yourself. It's this big kind of thing. And, and, um, you know, Han, uh, using the Han example, I don't think Han's hearts ever truly changes. It's just, uh, who, who he, uh, who he thinks he is uh, with or without that heart is, is, uh, is, is what's in flux. So I, I saw some uh, vibes there with that and, 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 uh, but it all flows into this, Trauma, processing the past, none of it easy. We're going to talk about that. But uh, so therefore, both worked in, in well together. Really love the first one. Yeah, I, I really like them uh, for how crisp they are in terms of uh, reflecting what's going on in the episode and what's going on with uh, Asajj uh, working through her past and trying to figure out what is next. Uh, one must let go of the past to hold on to the future. I, I think that is a life lesson that uh, a lot of people deal with. I think a lot mm-hmm. of people are dealing with it now as there is just a lot of you know change and tumult uh, in the world right now. So I think that's something that a lot of people are are dealing with and looking at of letting go of the past so you can figure out kind of what is what is next. Um, the who we are never changes, who we think we are does. I love that because some of these morals are pretty uh, crystal clear and some of them are like, I, I look at them like, yeah. And then I'm like, wait, no. <laughs> mm-hmm. And like, I can see this one a couple different ways and it's the kind of thing that, you know, if you had the right group of people, I would just love to sit down at a bar with their pitcher of beer and about five people and go, okay, is this true or not? Mm. <laughs> and mm. you'd have a really interesting discussion that uh, might end up being very joyful or somebody might get real mad. Uh, and either way, it'd probably be fun. <laughs> but the who we are never changes, who we think we are does. Like the positive version of that to me is, is really powerful of you can, uh, that maybe there are some intrinsic truths about yourself uh, yeah. that you are too caught up in your, your fears about yourself to see, right? Like, mm. I think this maybe relates to what Ray is going through in Rise of Skywalker, right? Mm, of, good. Uh, she's defined by her actions and in almost all of her actions uh, come from a, a, a place of kindness and empathy, but then she gets wrapped up in, in the fear mm. of what she might be, you know? Um, yeah. yeah. So, so that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, but who yeah. we think we are does, obviously it changes who we think you are, but who we are never changes. There's also a little bit of like, is is that in conflict with uh, the idea of evolving and changing? Uh, yeah. And including letting, yeah, letting go of the past, that, that would be part of it there. Now, and this is what I love. This is what I said. It's like, they're both so crisp, crisp and clear. And yet you could sit down with that pitcher of beer or uh, in the desert and, and ruminate on what they might mean for you at certain times in your life. Yeah. So great morals when there's room for ruminating as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's then dive into then what these morals really mean for the episode. What do you think can were uh, the big thematic ideas of this arc and what kind of ideas are at stake? Uh, where do you go with that? Yeah, the big ones uh, for me are, are letting go and this idea of the past, and maybe even the dark side as the past that doesn't let go. Mm. And, and maybe that's the thing with the past uh, and some other ones we, we can talk about, uh, especially when Boba Fett enters the scene. Um, but this letting go and again, everything I'm about to say it n- might occasionally sound like 
uh, real simple uh, life advice. It, it's never simple, right? And it's uh, uh, processing trauma and, and growing or even just simply changing who we think we are. That's pretty hard. That's pretty hard. And Star Wars is never saying that it's easy. Um, in fact, nothing here in these episodes is easy for Ventress. But I, I was moved by uh, just, you know, she's experienced this very traumatic life. Uh, but this is the beginning of her leap forward, and she doesn't quite even understand that or know that. And the past literally comes, you, you said it in your summary, the past literally is coming to attack her future. But even the future thinks she thinks she has at that moment with with her, her sisters and reborn as a night sister, that isn't the future either. And even talk about some of the stuff with Ray, like her journey takes a few steps, you know, and she's looking back a little bit and, and, and it's time to move forward. And even then, you don't know, you get up those steps, you climb those steps and hold out that lightsaber. That's not the end that you're <laughs> going to get. And so I think there's a lot of that with uh, Ventress. And there's some stuff I, I have about uh, Mother Talzin and all that stuff we, we can discuss here in a second. Uh, and um, I also want to say I, have, I, I like the Night Sisters and I like Mother Talzin. So nothing I'm saying uh, about to say about them is, is to be construed as negative or anything. I just think it's interesting that like Ventress thinks that's the next spot. Uh, she's breaking free from maybe one, uh, you know, kind of a prison of a life in service to Dooku uh, and is falling right into another one. And that's not necessarily the correct step. And that's mm. just the step forward is how I kind of saw it. But I also, you know, I like I like Tulsa. Oh, yeah. No, I'm I'm very interested to, to discuss that. Um mm. I, I agree with your your big picture theme that uh, obviously the past is super present. I feel like there's a little bit of this sense that uh, the past is there and it is going to affect what happened. There's a little bit of like you can't be uh, totally defined by it. You can't necessarily yeah. uh, find your way forward by going backward, which is maybe what you feel like Asajj is doing by just returning to the Night Sisters of like, I mm, you know, yeah. there's a little bit of a you can't go home again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I love how... Uh, in big clear ways and in little ways this feeling of like the past is real and you kind of got to deal with it you got to move forward from it but you also can't pretend that it didn't happen um the way that um obviously asajj dealing with her guilt about the separatists coming there because of her um right we go going forward to the second episode uh, i think it's really telling that asajj's choice in how to handle the heist really does seem to be triggered by her own past um by the girl throwing out at Asajj of like, you could never understand what it is to be taken. And basically like, yeah. the girl saying like, uh, uh, here Asajj, uh, stare out the window and contemplate your original <laughs> trauma that set off all of your other traumas of being taken away from the Night Sisters. And yeah. then you got, and then that person turned out to be okay and was killed. And then you met a Jedi and then that person was killed. And then you met Count Dooku and then he threw you out. Like, yeah. yeah. Um, even that. then to just like little small things, right. Of, uh, mm. There's a great line about Mother Tolson saying, like, uh, Dooku should be more careful making deals with witches when she pulls out the lock of the hair, right? Like, <laughs> there's that sense of, like, even Dooku's, you know, can't outrun his past, you know? Yeah. Uh, the fact that Boba's just following in his father's footsteps, just this is preordained, this is who I'm supposed to be. There's just a lot of rhythm of of people just sort of uh, mm -hmm. being unable to or not even trying to outrun the past. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. There's a little bit of that too. Uh, you know, this idea of, uh, you know, what we want to be isn't exactly what we are yet. And there's still growth of Boba Fett fighting for the res- respect, fighting for this leadership position that he has technically, but he's uh, kind of going about it the wrong way. He's often outmatched. He's not the boss he will be or wants to be. And uh, <laughs> yeah. eventually maybe, maybe he in, in, in Book of Boba Fett episode one goes, you remember that time on Corsite uh, on the train? <laughs> I wasn't the leader I was yet. Uh, and it's, uh, it's uh, a lot about that uh, in there. In, in there as well for me that some of that Boba Fett stuff absolutely the the moments of him really saying I'm in charge like they relate directly to uh, what we're going to be seeing in Book of Boba Fett according to the trailers of him trying yeah. to go like no I'm I'm in charge of crap now yeah. um I, I feel like uh, one of the biggest things for me is just this big picture idea of identity right of just mm-hmm. this question of uh who uh does Asajj want to be it's almost like she, she's just trying on nouns um yeah because she, through no fault of her own, she's been pulled through things and, and she's had the illusion that she's making choices. That's the way the dark side always is. It, it presents mm-hmm. itself of like, uh, look, every everything around you has been uh, trauma and pain and people betraying and lying, says Dooku to Asajj. Which, like, that's the way the galaxy works and uh, you should be a part of the dark side because the dark side says that's the way everybody is. So yeah. you just be the most powerful. Uh, and now she's, of course, been thrown out of that world doesn't know what she wants to be goes home to be a night sister and the fact that it's a like a rebirth and they u- literally use the word baptism right mm-hmm. of like that she is becoming a true night sister um mother Talzin even has that line about uh, uh and then you will fulfill your destiny and become a true night sister which is really kind of saying you weren't before Mm-hmm. Right. I actually, again, having not seen these episodes in a while, I was like, well, wait a second. <laughs> yeah. She already had on the uniform. She's already playing on the team. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Mother Tulsa also has this great line of, uh, you have your breath, your skill, and your sisters. You have everything needed uh, to survive, mm-hmm. which I really like because it, it, Mother Tulsa is this a weird, ambiguous figure because she obviously works via the dark side. She yeah. is willing to reach out and kill. <laughs> But we really only see her do it when she is crossed. Mm-hmm. Um, and so for me, there is something that is very supportive of, in this first step of Asajj's journey of like, I this is the place I got taken from. This is who I was supposed to be. Mm-hmm. I went out and I had all this trauma. I had all these choices that I didn't really fully make myself. And now I got nothing. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go home. And there's there's no judgment from Mother Talzin or any of the other Night Sisters. It's just... Hey, welcome home, sister. Let's mm. go through the rituals. You'll be one of us. Let's have a feast. You got community. So I feel like there's this tragedy where Asaja's going through uh, just a, a repetition of the past of like, mm. okay, mm. maybe this is who I was always supposed to be. Get rid of the dark side noun, or not dark side noun, mm. I guess. Get rid of the Sith noun, mm-hmm, <laughs> the mm-hmm. apprentice noun. Get rid of the separatist noun. And I'm back to my original noun. I am a night sister. And then immediately loses that identity as soon as she she gets it uh in her mind but you feel like there's something else going on well i actually it's, it's somewhat in line with what you're saying here now also i love the identity thing i, I was going to put this in i probably will mention in some of the comedy whimsy but the second episode kind of begins with her almost going like i guess for this mission i'll play as a bounty hunter like <laughs> maybe next time i'll be a sniper from the imperials like she's just playing uh, battlefront trying on new things to see how she can play you know she's yeah she's changing her appearance yeah she's I'm, i'll be a battle droid sniper this time yeah <laughs> exactly um as, yeah, as far as uh, i love what you're saying too uh, about uh, the night sisters and mother talzin no questions asked 
you're home. And that's the beauty of even the first time when she comes back. I always love the her kind of falling into the arms of uh, Talzin. It, it is a it is a, a come home kind of scenario. But this time around, and you know, I'm trying to maybe go into a little bit of of what Katie Lucas put into that uh, that first episode of of you know what what of her own life. What what is uh, you know what is she. Uh, trying to tell with this story, a character she, you know, Ventress, it means so much to her. I don't have those answers in front of me, so I'm just guessing. But, but to bring it to, to Mother Townsend, uh, you kind of talked about it. They're just they're offering all these things to her that are nice and, and warm and everything. But you said kind of stuck in the repeating patterns, right? Like uh, paraphrasing you a little bit here. Uh, Mother Townsend to me is selling freedom to Ventress, but asking for even more allegiance. Or continued allegiance. There's even, you know, words and phrases during that uh, ceremony. Some stuff about uh, um, uh, Ventress says it, you know, loyalty, my my heart, my life, or whatever it is. Uh, I forgot to write down that actual whole line there. I think it's loyalty to Night Sisters, Magics, and the old ways. (laughs) Right, yeah, yeah, yes, that's that's one of them. And then, um, I'm actually bonded myself, it was a great line, Uh, but she... she, um, Ventress chants something back in one of those scenarios, but all that, all that to say, like, so I'm not, I'm not pointing fingers at Talzin and saying you witch. Uh, she's not all wrong here because she's is offering some of that, and it looks all good and it feels all good to Ventress. But but Talzin's talking about uh, destiny. She uses that word, and to me, it's a destiny lacking choices at this point. Ventress is now you're here, community sisters. We're all around you, but. Your entire existence is for this, for us, uh, and and so it's, it's like I said, it's not quite bad, it's not quite good. It's just, it's it's a repeating pattern. I'm glad you said that. That's kind of more the shorter version of what I felt. <laughs> uh, Ventress thinks she's moving forward. Um, I, oh, I did write it. It goes through the ceremony, uh, and she says, "My loyalty, my life," but she's not dealt with what's going on inside her to take it to more of a inner uh, spiritual kind of realm. Her past is still there. She's just trading one thing for another. And maybe that's not no fault to Talzin and the Night Sisters. It's how they do things. Um, and I think you're right. They sit over there in Dathomir. You leave us alone. We won't get involved with with your war. Hey, maybe Star Wars wants them to choose a side. We get that. But <laughs> I do agree. They ain't poking anyone. Don't poke us. Um, but you know what I mean? So all that to say it is kind of a repeating pat- pattern. And that's where I, I felt watching what Talzin was saying and offering. Yeah. Okay. I can definitely see that. I think um... – I think there is this sense for me that's not even in the episode, but that if uh, the if Grievous and the Separatists didn't attack, or if they successfully repelled it, uh, would Asajj eventually get anxious, like just mm-hmm. just being there, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think what I'm really responded to is like uh, Talzin and the Night Sisters. You know, they do dabble in the dark side. It's their uh, planet's magics, um, and they're coded in all these horror ways, right? But Unlike other people who who are coded with dark side or, or mm-hmm. you know scary, they're not screaming at her because the plan failed, right? Like she came back, she, she was welcomed with open arms. They're happy she was back. They came up with the plan with Savage Press. Uh, it didn't work. Yeah. Uh, some night sisters got killed. Nobody seems pissed, <laughs> right? Yeah, right, right. Yeah. Everybody else in it's in in who even dabbles in the dark side in Star Wars would be mad and be telling you your failure and that. And there's just none of that. There's just like. You're back again. Good. Yeah. Why, why don't you stay? Uh, and then there's even this the, at the end when uh, Asajj's, you know, failed again, not really through any fault of her own. If she's tried to repel the army and Talzin appears to her in that spirit form. And again, there's no uh, criticism. She just says, uh, your destiny will always be linked with ours. 
but you have your own path to follow now. And that seems like Talzin being very Zen of like, look, you, you are one of us and that's always going to be a part of who you are, uh, but you can't cling to the past. Uh, times have changed now. Yeah. The separatist won. So go find out who you are, kid. Yes. It, it, could it be safe to say that we got almost two versions of the past that you have to kind of reconcile and, and, and process and deal with? Dark side, this past that doesn't let go, as I said, you know, it's focused on revenge and hate. We know the dark side never forgets. It never heals. It just destroys. And you got the other side, which is probably a more healthy way of looking at it. Again, I, I'm not pointing any fingers at Tulsa and the Night Sisters. I think you're right. That tack doesn't happen. They might be happy for a long time until Ventress says maybe I want a new job. I don't know. Um, I, I don't but disagree. they got some vengeance in them, too. If they had yeah, yeah. the Separatists, they, they'd still probably try to kill Dooku with the doll eventually. Well, you, know, you know, I'm not saying even that's wrong. Um, <laughs> but... I like I like that moment with Talzin. It is kind of um, it's Zen, it's Stoic, it's Yoda saying, you know, keep your mind on where you are and what you're doing right now. What is happening? It's Leia saying, don't tell me, uh, you know, what it what it looks like. Tell tell, tell me what it is, uh, and this is what it is. And Talzin's dealing with that in that same way and saying, hey, it's okay, it's okay. Uh, you have the strength to move forward, whether you know it or not. Yep. Yeah, and you know, the time for vengeance will be uh, later. Yeah. Um, Talzin is keeping some things from her too. So I think maybe that, I don't know if maybe mm -hmm. that's as part of what you're like, Ooh, let me, let me, you know, measure who Talzin really is because, uh, Saj tells her like, Oh, it didn't work out with Savage Press. And Talzin isn't like, yeah, I know he came back here and I gave him an assignment to find his brother. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 She keeps that to herself. Um, yeah, I think, uh, more to talk about an identity, but but I want to dive into this other perspective because I'm really curious to to take get your opinion on it and it relates to what we're talking about with uh with who Talzin really is. Um, I think I kind of there's this big theme to me in the both of these episodes about who do you answer to, right? Mm, um, yeah, Asajj uh, obviously in the framework of the Sith and in the framework of the Separatists, she answered to Dooku and to Sidious, and Grievous was always you know competing with her of who who's better and all that. And Mother Talzin does make such a big deal that Asajj will only need to answer to herself and her sisters. So she was kind of saying, like, you are part of us and you do have a community responsibility, but nobody else is going to boss you around. It's just what you want and what the community wants, right? Yeah. Um, and then the way that Asajj eventually kind of, I think, finds herself is... She goes through this trauma with the uh, separatist attack and with failing. Uh, she tries on this bounty hunter identity like she's uh, LARPing or playing yeah. an RPG, like yeah. you said. But she gets this victory at the end of this battle where she's like, what, is, what even is this? What am I fighting for? What am I doing? I'm just I'm throwing people off a tram because I said I would. Okay. Mm -hmm. and mm -hmm. Money. That's great. I need that. Uh, but by the end, I feel like she kind of fulfills this vision that Mother Talzin uh gives her because she chooses how to handle the the bounty her own way right mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and it isn't like i'm gonna throw into the light side and do what i think obi-wan kenobi would do right and it's not yeah. i'm gonna kill them all and take it for myself it is straight down the lane right of the middle yeah of her deciding what is right for her and based on her own trauma she's like no way in hell i'm handing this girl over to anybody yeah and then she gets there and it's like oh this old creep wants her to be a bride i really made the right decision yeah, <laughs> you know, so she rescues uh, Pluma, but still takes some money from Pluma. Yeah, she screws yeah. over Boba, puts him in a box, chokes him out, and puts him in a box, but still leaves him credits. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she just takes 
the total middle path that is her in that moment, all of her life experiences going, if I get to decide everything that happens in this situation, then I'm going to decide this, this, and this. Ah, that feels nice to not answer to anybody else, but just only I choose what happens right now. This may be a moment of pure balance at Star Wars. A little light, a little dark. Uh, no, I agree with it. I, I put down the note of uh, who is asking for your trust uh, along the lines of who, who are you going to serve or who's asking you to serve? Uh, and at the end of the day, Ventress, uh, you know, it, it comes a lot. Boba Fett kind of even says directly to her, you know, hey, you don't trust us? Come on. Uh, who are you going to trust? And and I do I do take Talzin, Talzin's last little speech, that spirit speech there, if you want to call it that. I, I do think Ventress takes that and takes that to heart and moves that forward. Yeah. Uh, and that's the, the better version of, of Talzin's advice for me. Yeah, that makes sense. And I love that it ends with her not just going like, yeah, I guess this bounty hunter thing works, you know, and, and mm-hmm. them trying to go like, all right, I guess you're pretty good. <laughs> we yeah, all yeah. got thrown off the train. Would you want to join us? And she's like, no. And the, I like, do you think you're better than us is so great. And her response, once I was just like you, but I'm not that person anymore. Now I have a future. Mm-hmm. I really felt that is like, this is maybe like one of the first times where she's like, I'd, I just made whatever choice I did on the bounty hunting this bounty hunting excursion because Dooku's not going to have an opinion. Mother Talzin's not going to have an opinion. There's nobody over me to have an opinion about it. And this is the first time she's experienced that where she feels like she has a future because she can actually chart it herself. Yeah. Love it, man. I I really love it. And it lines, uh, you know, uh, I guess I, I will pull some of Katie Lucas's life story adopted, adopted into this great family. His father follows in his footsteps as a great Star Wars writer. And she needs to strike out on her own, make her own yeah. choices. Uh, yeah. I could see the connections there. Again, I don't have any magazine interviews or anything in front of me. Um, I wait for Jennifer Landa to dig up some more wonderful insight into <laughs> Katie Lucas's writing. Uh, but that's and it, it and it is truly this big burst of hope at the end of this uh, these two kind of uh, intense dark episodes. Yeah, and I love that it is this weird hope because it's kind of like that classic, like ah, oh, walking off into the sunset, except for it's a dark sky. <laughs> yeah, literally, yeah. <laughs> in shadows, uh, I have a future, and it's at night. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I don't know what that is. She still got those two red blades. I don't know the future. We know a little bit. Uh, you know, yeah. we know where it ends up. But yeah, yeah. We we do know the the. Uh, good and bad of Asajj's future. Um, mm-hmm. This this theme of who do you answer to? I feel like um, I feel like this is Asajj's arc, but in terms of both identity and who do you answer to, uh, that's really reflected by Boba. You know, Boba is is he's really trying to be somebody. He's trying to be the leader, right? But he is being yeah. uh, judged by his his appearance and his stature. You know, Asajj's <laughs> cutting line: "No one of true importance would lower themselves to trade with <laughs> yeah. a mere boy." Like damn Asajj yeah. Uh, yeah. but that who do you answer to thing right he's acting like he's the leader right um, mm-hmm. he's in a little bit of a similar position with Asajj where hey the, this crew seems to answer to him no problem you know right um, but his, his previous mentors you know his, his father and Aura Singh they're gone and this is him stepping up but he isn't he's not there yet right like yeah. he's even got that line uh, when uh, he's they're being asked to, to guard the the box uh, he says to the 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 person giving him the instructions, "You make the rules, I follow them." Like that's mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not a real strong leader uh, calling the shots. And and he make he yells, "I've been in charge of this whole operation." Then gets just force choked. He like <laughs> he wants to be in charge, but he is still answering to everyone around him. Yeah, yeah, and fascinating. You know, you you mentioned something that I it popped in my head because Ventress is is you know absolutely uh, just not taking uh, taking anything from him, but Bosk. You know, big old tough, strong uh, lizard man Bosk 
It's kind of like, hey, that's our boss, you know, I'll protect him. <laughs> and so Boba's not doing all things wrong. Uh, he's, he's almost there. Like I said, he's, he's not quite the boss he wants to be or will be maybe one day. Yes, but uh, he will get there eventually, right? Uh, any other um, specific ideas before we talk about the big picture of Star Wars? No, nah, that's already some big stuff, so let's get to the bigger picture. Yeah, so we always like to talk about how the specific ideas in an arc tie to the larger story or morality or perspective of Star Wars. So what do you have there? What are your thoughts, Ken? I just kind of started from this point of uh, we got to change choices and the roles we play in it all. And uh, going back to what you're talking about, uh, uh, you know, Ventress just trying on these different hats to get what's right. And at the end of the day, it's it's her hat, right? Uh, and how there's this power of change, the power of choices, um, and how the Star Wars is just continuously telling us that and continuously putting that out there. That's why every time that word destiny pops up, my ears pop up. Like, well, what, what, what's your thoughts on destiny? What do you actually think about destiny and, and how much choice is it involved in it? And uh, I think this one, where this ends up, it is, uh, again, we know, we know there's more storytelling with Ventress to come, both in this series, in Dark Disciple. Uh, I think, I still think there's room for vent- a Ventress story of some sort. Um, oh, yeah. Uh, you know, a, a one-off, something like that. There's a lot of time we're not spend, spending with her. Uh, but she's got, a, she's got a good chunk of just bounty hunting in here. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And and where this ends is, is uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a Star Wars, maybe if it's not a full redemption story, it's a redirection story. It's a true Star Wars redirection story because of the, the change choices and, and the roles that we want to play within that journey. I think there's a great compare contrast to be made between Asajj and Maul because they have a mm-hmm. similar uh, uh, path where they are thrown out of uh, the Sith circle. Uh, Maul is, of course, a, a full apprentice, and uh, Asajj is only kind of dabbling in Dooku doing like, yeah, yeah, no, don't worry, eventually I'll kill my boss. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. You'll be the apprentice. But in a similar fashion, they're sort of raised to put all that focus and hate the Jedi and we'll have power, and then they're out of it. And mm. Asajj goes through lots of changes, finds lots of other parts of herself, finds other things to care about, has an epiphany about what was done to her. And Maul's just never manages to change uh, up to mm. his second death, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> his second and final death at the hands of <laughs> Yeah, literally. I mean, right down to the footsteps he takes. Uh, so true. Yeah. And again, none of this is easy. None of this is Star Wars telling you it's easy, but it is. I love that you drew it to Maul. It is truly a, a tale of two choices. Yeah. And, and I agree with you. I think this, uh, all of the themes in this arc remind me of a lot of Star Wars stuff everywhere, but a lot of what the sequel trilogy is wrestling with in, in my opinion, saying ultimately of like, yeah, of, of course you can't just get caught in the past. You can't just repeat the cycles. You mm. need to learn from the past, but you shouldn't ignore the past because there's lessons there and there's great things uh, to be a part of it, yeah. in the past to, to take forward uh, as a part of you, as long as you aren't entirely defined by the past and are still aware that you are, uh, this person in the present, this unique being making your own choices that are informed by the past, but not entirely defined by the past. Like it mm-hmm. feels like very similar messages. It's all about those steps forward and how you take them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I always like to note when this, the big theme for me in star Wars of uh, the organic and the flowing versus the rigid and mechanical uh, mm-hmm. pop up. And it's not as explicit in this episode, but it is just really fun that the first episode is, you know, the marching stomping machinery of droids against like 
witches who are so organic they have mummified themselves hanging from trees <laughs> yes yeah. you know <laughs> and then the the second episode has that very classic star wars like here's a technology uh here's a, literally a train that is on not an actual physical track <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but a kind of track going only one direction uh and it is attacked uh by uh you know people riding natural beasts at, yeah. at one with the environment that kind of thing yeah yeah. Scary beast. Yeah. Yeah. And final thing for me is that there was, you made the great uh, reference to Mandalorian. There's some great uh, solo things going on here. It was like, Hey, wait, am, am I watching a scene where marauders with secretly good intentions attack a train? <laughs> yep. Yes, you are. Yes, you are. <laughs> it was very, very solo. Yeah. And yeah. where are you? Um, uh, other thoughts for yourself? Uh, no, but even in that, you know, the use of uh, uh, the Marauders thing and, and, you know, not the first time, not the last time for sure in Star Wars um, is is definitely uh, Star Wars asking it to. It's like we always say Star Wars wants you to ask why. It even wants its characters to ask why. Well, why this is happening? What's going on? And uh, it's a little bit of uh, indicting the world of bounty hunters. You scoundrels only out for money. Look a little yep. closer. Yep. Uh, yep. Uh, Bosk uh, probably does not have a great moral core. <laughs> Don't think he does. <laughs> great character, great blaster, uh, but not a great moral core. I'm going to go out on a limb and say that about Bosk. All right. We are going to take a quick break and then we will be back to discuss some of our favorite moments action, comedy, connections to other lore, all that kind of stuff in just a moment. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. 
Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. We are back to continue our discussion of the Great Clone Wars arc, The Fall and Rise of Ventress, as we've decided to call it right here during the broadcast. Uh, we like to talk about some favorite moments, so let's get into action. Ken, what were some favorite uh, action moments in these two action-packed episodes? <laughs> yeah, I, I started, you've, you've always been so wonderful with our scene-by-scene titles. Uh, you know, Palpatine's, uh, you know, box of, uh, <laughs> what'd you, seduction, what'd you call it there? Uh, uh, manipulation, Manipulation yeah. and seduction. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Uh, Dexter's Diner of Wisdom, right? Uh, I started, I accidentally stumbled onto a bunch of those there. So I, I'm calling <laughs> it uh, Talzin's Attack of Bubbles is uh, the first big action moment. Uh, yeah, when the, uh, the, there's the initial attack from the Separatists and she uh, is uh, surrounds herself in a giant green energy bubble that's and then it. shoots lightning blasts. That's it. That's the one. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Wow. That started. Yes. Like, I want a, uh, you know, a, a dark light poster of that, you know? <laughs> yeah. Uh, pff, gosh. Yeah. This would make a great heavy metal cover album from like 78. Because um, I, I, I got to tell you, you know, uh, I'm totally familiar with the, you know, the the, the general plot of, the, of this first episode in, in particular. But uh, when the attack starts coming in and the clones are there and obviously it's reminiscent of uh, Battle of Naboo stuff from Phantom Menace. I, I was getting geeked up, man. Like when when thousands like kind of like telling them all to get ready, and everything, I'm like, ah, oh, we got a we got a straight up big Star Wars brawl coming, and and uh, that seeing that just her floating in that safety bubble, shooting out uh, witch powers is is really cool. It's really great, and just like yeah, absolutely, this era of Clone Wars, like we don't care, uh, <laughs> we yeah. are enjoying ourselves and having fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the moment right before that, kind of the very beginning of the battle. Uh, we had just met the Night Sister Karis, who is like being really friendly mm-hmm. uh, to Asajj and really welcoming her at the feast. So we get the double whammy of this character we just met, who is kind of Karis to Asajj being killed. Yeah. Uh, and then the fact that she is crushed by uh, some night sister, night sister statue uh, that fell from a separatist bomb—it's <laughs> mm-hmm. so compact. It's but it's yeah. so like, hey, Assange, did you just make a friend? Did you just get reattached to your culture? Okay, well, they're both gone. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so we're going to destroy your buildings and your family. It's brutal and very yeah. efficient. Yeah, it is absolutely. Yeah. So uh, moving on from from horror and from green bubbles, where do you go next? Uh, well, we'll get to some horror again. Yeah, um, the, the battle starts. Ventress leading the charge. Just a real good image. Her, the blades out, kind of pointed down, charging in, and that leads to eventually a beautiful double stab of two battle droids. It was just uh, epic. Great move. D- double tap the X, hold down the R one, and you got that power. <laughs> that yeah, that was a beautiful double stab. Yeah, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's a ton going on in here. I really like the uh, the B two, the super battle droids uh, stomping yeah. out. And being yep. lowered from their carriage. That was great. 
Yeah, I did too, right? Yeah, total play on the Battle of Naboo stuff, obviously, but yeah, just uh, I loved it, like a real upgrade. Good good move, Separatist. Wait a minute, I'm not supposed to be. Okay. Yeah, and uh, very interesting. There, There's one Battle Droid comedy moment that I noted, but it was extremely light. Uh, mm. Some people would probably not even call it comedy, but it made me laugh. But in this major battle, Ken, like there, mm. there's no wacky, I just got a promotion, right? Right, right. right. <laughs> it is a tonal shift that to keep this the 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 horror and the seriousness of what's happening being the only tone uh they did and they did a really good job on it i mean this is this is a horror movie we're watching in this first one here they, they're they keeping that all the way through and you know i don't know a good horror film i guess might have some comedy but i, I just Absolutely. it would have been it would yeah would have been out of place and, and yeah it, it and 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 it felt um you know battle droids have a they battle a reputation of not being you know something to take serious uh that is not the case here all the way through they are they are a threat they are deadly yep overwhelmed by the numbers i think is mm. great in this episode um next thing for me is like I, my lord the rise dead sisters awake <laughs> i i called it my favorite horror moment not even action just a straight up horror film moment yeah i mean it is i mean it's it's action in that things are happening you're right it, yeah. it, but but it is you know hearing old daka chant and realizing that they the mummified remains are are you know infused with the the with the their mm-hmm. own spirits one would imagine yeah uh and just everything from like the the bursting forward to the ones like rising up in the screaming i think you know that's mm-hmm. it's so effective and what the reason that i was watching this the first time going oh the separatists are done <laughs> yeah it's scary. I mean, it's, it's, you know, I'm not shivering in my boots on my couch watching this on a Sunday afternoon, but it's scary stuff. If I was a youngster, I would, that would have, that would have frightened me. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so what are some more moments for you? Uh, one of the undead sisters just rips off the head of a tank droid. Uh, one of the battle droids in the tank, just brutal. Just, and you know, it's a battle droid. I got, I got to imagine there's some feeling chips in there, I guess. I don't know, but it's just brutal, just brutal. Yeah, it, it is pretty nasty. Um, mm. I think perhaps one of my favorite images that I forgot was in this because I so remember the the battle on Dathomir. Uh, the uh, this is kind of an action image because hey, somebody's dying. Uh, but the image of Talzin bursting out of Dooku's mm. gut mm. like a magic hologram of death. Yes, <laughs> yes. So I, uh, I, I, I'll jump in with the three other categories, and then I want to discuss Talzin's movie. I have Talzin's boils of doom, Talzin's upset <laughs> stomach of taunts, and then Dooku's up check of relief. Uh, all <laughs> right. going on there. That's right. Uh, Dooku vomits magic. <laughs> he does. <laughs> Up Chuck relief here. Yeah. <laughs> I have a little magic in my gut. <laughs> yeah, but Tolson's upset stomach of taunts, man. That was the imagery on everything about it. It was great. That was great stuff. Yeah. It, yeah. It was just so powerful. Uh that and you got that spirit of like, okay, well, this this is her a part of her magic that is like it's that's really her, like inside him, pulling mm. on things. <laughs> like her yeah. spirit is inside him ripping things up and just yeah. burst out and like by the way i'm in here doing this to you yeah no yeah no i took it it took it as both uh, completely magical and a little literal a little bit literal a little literal yeah yeah absolutely um it, this is a, a moment in the battle that i really liked it, it's a weird moment but it's just such perfect uh kind of evolution of uh, asajah's uh ability mm. uh she's always been very acrobatic but when she decides like i oh, know i'm i'm going forward i'm gonna confront grievous and she does that long hopscotch over the droids heads 
or yes. all the droids heads. Yes. Right. Totally. I really, really like that. <laughs> I love that. Good call. Good, yeah. Good yeah. Call. Any more from that first episode for you? Um, running through. No, that's, oh, well, just the fight with, with Grievous is great. Two characters, six blades. That's a great fight. Great uh, look all the way through when, when he's got all four and she's blocking him with two and reds and greens and blues. Uh, it was a rainbow of fight. And I like, yeah, I really like that. It, you know, it calls back to the competition that they've had in a couple episodes explicitly. Um, I like that it is so in character for Grievous that, you know, Asajj makes him that classic deal of it. How about just the two of us fighting? Whoever wins will uh, will win and the other's army will stand down. Yeah. And Grievous is like, sure. In the moment Asajj gets the upper hand, he's just like, open fire. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. What a cheat. What a coward. He's a weasel and a coward always. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So painful that it doesn't work out for Asajj but yeah, anyway yeah so moving on for me to that second episode uh wow there's there's so much on that uh long sub tram battle that I really love so I, I just wanted to pick out a few to yeah. kind of hold myself in check <laughs> I really like Dengar planting bombs on people like uh, he, that's also a weasel move I, I, I think it, it is but I called it Dengar's explosive win <laughs> <laughs> I thought you said explosive wind for a moment. It's like, did I miss a? <laughs> well, did I miss some Dengar flatulence? No. Uh, the, uh, the way Dengar ends up in life, maybe that's the case later <laughs> on. But here he's here he's crisp and clean and winning. Yep, he he's looking pretty uh pretty fine and sharp. Yeah, no, I think there's something about it, like it, just the way it was shot of like uh when the uh, Marauders, the Cage Warriors, first uh, jump on, and Dengar's really doing his best to just like kind of. Mm. classically fight block punch blow kick right and like yeah. he's getting a little overwhelmed so he's like ah what if i stick a bomb on your gut <laughs> yeah 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 love that and, and overall you, you mentioned I, uh, the the kicking and the punching and everything you know we see by by clone war season seven they've got uh you know uh they're using different technology to actually do like motion capture and, and it looks beautiful uh this stuff looks really good for and it, you know we're a few years behind now and animation technology moves forward leaps and bounds and, at a quick pace sometimes but really good for for an episode that had to have some detailed moves uh it, it came across really well yeah, absolutely. Um, one of the other sequences I really liked is, I forgot there's a great sequence of Boba working his way through the train. You know, he's got mm -hmm. the helmet on, he's got the double blasters. Uh, he is, you know, he's really sharp about his angles of like knowing when somebody's behind him, uh, mm -hmm. above him. He's uh, blasting away, but he's also like jumping and kicking. I think I always remember this one as this episode where Boba Fett's trying to be in charge, but eh, basically gets his ass handed to him, which he does at the end. But yeah. I forgot that there's this great moment, which I want is to see the beginnings of the utter badass he's going to be. Yeah. Yeah. No, he's, he's skilled, right? He's good. He's really yeah. good. Uh, and I think that was important to see. It's just everything else has got to come together for him, but uh, there's a reason he is who he is. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I really felt that there and, and I liked it. Um, I also just liked the, um, I want to shout out a specific moment, but I really liked uh, the escalation with Asajj, where at, per at first you're just like, all right, I'll, I'll try just punching. <laughs> <laughs> and then she goes, oh, I'll give a little force push. Like, all right, enough this BS, the lightsaber's coming out. Yeah. And by the time she's taken down the brother, Chrismo, it's just, it is yep. just Asajj unleashed mm -hmm, in the mm -hmm. sheer a volume of times that she just that she gut and kidney punches Crismo. <laughs> yeah. I found strangely delightful because it's really a Saj being like, hey, wait, I am the most powerful here and I'm going to show you all. 
Yeah, because sometimes I was watching her. I was like, you know, you've got the force. You know, nope, keep punching. Keep punching. It's working. It's working. <laughs> Maybe they're force punches. Who yeah, knows? Could be. Uh, yeah, so I, I cut myself off there because I could mm. uh, do so much more. How mm. about yourself? What are some other moments? A uh, couple other moments for me. And you're right, a ton all the way through this here. Uh, I called this uh, one Ventress, uh, Ventress's Blade of Rebuff. Uh, when she uh, takes that blade and chops all three of those blades off uh, uh, at the same time. It's a yes. co- comical moment, too. Uh, Lats, snake toss. I don't have a cute name, but just when she's got the, you know, the, the, the uh, taking everyone out with the snake and then having that used against her uh, and Heisinger when Chrisma defeats both of them. And, and I thought that was just a good setup of how dangerous it was and how that uh, would lead to her and Heisinger's defeat later on. Very, yes. Very good. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I want to keep my branding up as a as a fan of somebody uh, who who likes it when people fall from things. And the volume of people thrown from a train is delightful. <laughs> yeah, can we? I didn't put this in comedy moment. I love that it's almost like it's a game show. Uh, it's Star Wars Squid Game. I, I you know, I don't know. It, it every so when everyone falls off, Dengar and Bosk, everyone, I you know, they're just like Dengar literally goes Pudu. And they wait, and then no one tries to rejoin the fight. They're all back in the hangar, wa- waiting at the break room, taking a sip of high C and orange slices, waiting for everyone to come back. Like, join, rejoin the fight. Get up there. I love that the shots are all, they're all like, no, that train's moving too fast. You know how fast I have to run? I'd have to, uh, no, and the absolutely ca- not. Yeah. No. Uh, super caterpillars. <laughs> dig, 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 dig. You know, it's, it's uh, just get, get on, keep going, walk at uh, least. I would love to play this. Uh, I actually wouldn't love to play this video game level. I'd be frustrated by it. But it's a good video game level of just, can you stay on the train? Oh, yeah, yeah, absolutely. As someone who's lost many shootouts on Red Dead Redemption on a train, I don't know if I could do well in this, but I'd love to try. Yeah, a lot of train throwing and a lot of giving up from the bounty hunters. Yeah. Uh, That's a great segue into our uh, favorite moments of comedy, whimsy, and weirdness. Uh, What jumped out to you here? Uh, So... Jumping around, oh, yeah. Oh, oh, good. So, dancing witches. I wrote down dancing witches, and this is uh, <laughs> this is just background animation. I'm not uh, making fun of anyone's uh, skills or, or what they had to do, but I just love that uh, because you know you, you 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 render these characters, you put them there, and you want to say, all right, the, the witches are celebrating and dancing, but they're all dancing by themselves, and it looks like everyone is tripping in Joshua Tree. Like it's not quite a rave. It's not a rave there. You want to go out to Joshua tree, take some peyote and discover ourselves. Like, and I just, and it was, and it actually works for the night sisters. It works. I, I, I think it's, I think that might be pretty accurate. Like uh, mm. there's a lot of, you know, quote unquote magics going on. And yeah. that, I'm sure that feast is not just food. Mm, mm-mm, mm-mm, mm-mm. <laughs> and it does look like the night sisters are maybe dancing as though they are all listening to their own uh, music. <laughs> yes. Yes, one's one's definitely uh, got uh, playing uh, tracks from Lady Gaga's Joanne. The other one's got some uh, <laughs> some new uh, Britney coming back, and uh, other someone's listening to the Grateful Dead. Uh, clearly, yeah, clearly. some great tracks on Joanne. I'm going to yeah. see if they sync up to the Night Sisters. <laughs> yeah, uh, one of the first things that jumped out at me is I just love this uh, turn of phrase and the delivery and the perspective from Mother Talzin uh, when she is, is saying uh, to. Asajj that, you know, you don't have to worry about any of that stuff anymore. You don't have to worry about Dooku's absurd war. Yeah, right. <laughs> just whole, the whole thing just has this vibe that adds to me of like, yep, the Night Sisters and Mother Talzin, uh, they will put their finger on the scale. If somebody crosses them, they will use their magic and they will obsessively go after vengeance. But other than that, they're just like, what are you fighting for? Yeah. We got magic. We got dancing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we got a whole society. We got nice buildings. We got hidden caves. This is great. Why is everybody running around yeah. making an ass of themselves? Yeah. 
Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll fight for that side. Yeah. So it did this cracked me up. Duke was absurd war. It just got a little bit of that, like, yeah. what are you running around yelling about? Yeah. <laughs> that deflates him in a way. Um, another one for me, this is one comedy moment. Uh, I had I rewound uh, to catch something else, and then I noticed it of when Dooku gives Grievous the assignment and Grievous is uh, stomping towards his ship, uh, there's one B1 droid with him who's just jogging to keep up with Grievous. <laughs> hey, boss. Hey, boss. Hey, boss. <laughs> exactly. It's not like a march like they normally do. Yeah. It's like that that droid, it's like a some rom-com with a you know mean boss <laughs> in the fashion world and the assistant's like, I'm trying, I'm trying to keep up with her. Love it. Absolutely yeah. great. <laughs> uh, what are some more for you? Uh, okay, so, so you know... Uh, Dooku's sitting there in his command center. Boils of doom start popping up on his forehead. <laughs> He's falling to the ground, flailing about. And his guard droids don't even move. No, they don't even question it. They're just like, all right, he's having a time. Call someone, call a medic, I don't call Palpatine. What do you gotta do? You got these droids. They're just they're just like, well, eyes on the door, eyes on the door. Maybe someone's coming in. I don't know. I thought that was really funny. Just a little background thing, doesn't matter to the plot at all. Uh I love seeing Dooku uh writhe in agony. Uh and his droids do nothing. Yeah, I mean it would be funny if they had like tried to do something. <laughs> it's like, uh, what should yeah. we hit? Yeah, yeah. So reset button. I don't, yeah, no, call, you know, I don't know what to expect, but it was just hilarious. They are, they are, they're doing their job. They're like, they're, they're, they're guarding a Buckingham Palace. They're not moving for nothing. They're not moving for nothing. I wonder if they've been instructed, like, if it seems like it's force crap, don't worry about it. Cause there's nothing you can do. <laughs> nothing you can do. <laughs> uh, I, I also like Mother Talzin's line of, uh, he should be more careful in making deals with witches. Yes. <laughs> well, it's yeah. It's so great in the lock of hair. Yeah, I mean, that we did not previously see that, right? In the other episodes, he didn't cut off a lock of hair. Did I miss that? or just, um, I, You know, I meant to look that up because I, I am 50-50. Uh, well, while you're talking, I'll try to okay. see if I can yeah. verify or not that moment. All right, that's great. Uh, there's some other, like, jumping to the second episode, and feel free to jump back to the first one if you get some. Uh, Adventures in Chalmans is great, and and and, and uh, when she uh, uh, kills her, her uh, harasser at the bar there, uh, saying, I'm not much of a talker, there's a perfectly timed, just giant laughs in the background, as if everyone's, like, tuning in and, like, that's a great line for the against the guy she just killed. It's amazing. <laughs> and that's what I would want Chalmans to be. Right. If it's going to scare me and you growing up about we can't go into bars because they're dangerous because of old Luke's uh, treatment there. That's what I want Chalmans to be. Oh, yeah. No, I mean, it, Chalmans was this was a great Chalmans appearance because it is just kind of quick and perfunctory. Um, yep. If you weren't super paying attention, you because you, they don't do like, hey, it's Tatooine. I mean, like they're Jawas. So, yeah, I guess I guess that is Tatooine. Uh, yeah. and, and it is pretty clearly a cantina, but it, they, they're not heavy handed about it. Right. It's yeah. just. That's what it is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so I, I, right away, I love that uh, moment where uh, Ventress walks in and just says, prow, straight up. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because I love any time that a specific booze gets mentioned and established in Star Wars, and I totally forgot that there was a, a clear name of a booze uh, established mm -hmm. here, yeah. uh, and that it is the utter opposite of Luke's experience where she knows exactly how to order, right? Yes, and, and Ventress is the type of friend I need to go into a bar with sometimes where I generally nowadays can handle myself in a bar okay, but I like that person who's like, no, you, you order over here. 
You know, yeah. I have such anxiety about it. You've been around me. Sometimes I over-explain to other people. Like, here, let me tell you how this is going to be in here, even though maybe you're a regular at the bar. I get so caught up on that. I was really impressed. Adventurous was like, I know what to do, what to drink, and how to get. Yep, exactly. No questions asked. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I do. I, I I was torn about whether to put this in, but the I think the bar patron's name is Oked. <laughs> Just how awful and clumsy his. What's a pretty bald babe like you doing in a desert like this? Like, yep. y- 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 you needed to say bald? <laughs> yep. Look, we uh, we do not condone, condone his actions. You youngsters, be better. Be better in your behavior. Uh, he got what he deserved. I also love the, the line is kind of wonderfully, awkwardly funny and in, inappropriate. But also, the, the it it's like suddenly the voice, I don't know who voiced it. Uh, it's like in a 1940s film, you know? Yeah, what is a yeah. beautiful bald, bald babe like you with a bar like this? Yeah, <laughs> you know, it was, it was almost mid-Atlantic in Star Wars, and I loved it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it was uh, it, very well done, including uh, the murder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then my my favorite, the follow-up of of compliments to the lizard in the back is 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 low-key one of my favorite Star Wars lines I've heard in a long time. Yeah, no, that is very very good. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, so um, moving on then for me from that great bar scene because I could go on forever. Do you have any more in the bar? Uh, the, the final one is we we talked about it in a more serious way, but I do like Bosk asking Ventress if she's a bounty hunter, like she's about to play a game. It really comes across like, oh, bounty hunter, huh? Like, what what is what is there only three classes in Star Wars? Jedi, Sith, bounty hunter. <laughs> yeah, it really, it's like yeah, no, I haven't uh, never considered that one. Yeah, yeah. It, it really is like I usually uh, play as a mage. Okay, all right. <laughs> Um, yeah. I am not finding uh, any uh, confirmation no. about uh, the the hair because she she has a meeting in person with Dooku in mm-hmm. the previous arc when she's selling him on on uh, the right. possibility of a uh, of a Zabrak assistant, right? Uh, uh, but I can't remember if the uh, I'm not finding any confirmation. Well, I, I, I I have to believe there's something sneaky that happened because I just can't imagine Talzin going great count. Give me a lock of your hair and him going that seems normal. Like, I, I got to imagine it was some other way, but who knows? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like, yeah, I don't know that uh, she got her his hair in a previous dealing, says yeah. a, um, a entry on w- Wikipedia. Yeah. There you go, a you previous go. dealing. Uh, so, yeah, it, 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 whether she snuck it or whether he made the, the poor choice to give it to her, it right. didn't work out well for him when he's got a mother Talzin in his gut. Not <laughs> at all, yeah. He has a vomited out. Uh so a couple other moments uh, in that second episode, uh, I like when Ventress first meets Boba and Boba asks her name and she says, I don't have a name. <laughs> he says, so it's going to be like that, huh? <laughs> <laughs> it's just a great, uh, great vibe of like, you know, yeah. we know exactly where Ventress is coming from. And for Boba, it's just like, ah, another person being difficult. Fine. Ventress says, and I mean this in a wonderful way, she has a little bit of the... Um, uh, you know, a little bit different new girl at school vibe, you know, <laughs> like she's moved up. She's going to try your cheerleading only because you don't have a dance team, but you, we don't know what to think of her yet. She does absolutely have that very, it is a stereotype into the, the new person at school, but yep. but it, it's an understandable human thing of like, I kind of want to be a part of the team. I kind of want to have friends, but every time I've tried it, I've been betrayed. So yeah. the only way I feel comfortable trying to have friends is being an ass to them. Yeah. And look, you, you're going to love her in the third act. Don't you worry. The third <laughs> act of the film, you're on her side. Yeah. 
Exactly. Uh, in the the weird delivery of uh, Major Ragoso uh, when he says, please allow me the pleasure of explaining the mission. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love the design of those characters. Kind of vaguely whale mouth like. Uh, the, the, yeah. Yeah. Balugans. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it just just uh, kind of designed to be not liked or trusted. <laughs> just everything about them. <laughs> exactly. Um, the A couple more for me. Um mm-hmm. I like uh, I like uh, Dengar's really awful. Hello, darling. Looks like we're securing the back platform together. <laughs> it's like almost those words almost sound like they could add up to something like exciting and and sexy. And like, yeah. no, no, no. I think I think Boss says at one point, "Shut up, Dengar." And I just think that's the that's that's his life. That's Dengar's life. It really is. Shut up, Dengar. Yeah. Um, yeah. Final moment for me. There are a lot of little little good ones because Ventress is just on fire. I could have written down every yeah. uh, line of Ventress in the back half of this episode, but there is a pitch perfect reaction when the uh, the lead Belugan. Uh, I don't have it in front of me, and the one's really hard to remember. Otaka blank, mm. uh, out of blank, uh, yeah, out of blank. Hmm. Um, when the revelation, she's already made her choice, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, that she's not handing over this girl, just some rando. Yeah, uh, Ventures knows the score, right? But then it's then it's confirmed, right? Is my bride here? And it's so gross. Uh, yeah. But Ventress's pitch perfect reaction of like, oh yeah, of course, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, like, bride. It's just it's so painful and it's so worldly. Yeah. And there's so obviously the these episodes, um, the the previous arc that really developed Ventress. This arc, you know, written by Katie Lucas, written by a woman with. Is I, I interpret as a viewer a woman's perspective. There's a lot about the Night Sisters and Ventress that mm-hmm. really has that look. We know the score and we know how awful yeah. women can be treated. And it just, it's so small, it's so subtle, but it just speaks volumes to me the way Ventress reacts to that. 100%. Hundred percent, which is one of one of the this just absolute wonderful things about what Katie Lucas did with this character, uh, taking it from a very cool, uh, you know, double bladed red Sith kind of cool killer. We we love that, uh, making it so much more and putting so much of her own life and thoughts and perspective into it. It it is very clear. Yeah, yeah, and uh, and it it's it's one of those like kind of dark moments that made me laugh because it's cathartic, right? Yeah. Because there's no shock, there's no hoarder. It's just like, of course, this son of a... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course, that's what he's about, you know? Yeah, yeah. Totally. Uh Any more? Uh, I'm sure you've got some lighter funny lines than that. Uh, so <laughs> what, what are your other comedy lines? Careful of who you call, uh, who calls others marauders, is what I said. Careful of who calls others marauders, because Major Ragoso and Tobias Beckett are on record of saying they're just marauders, and they not only weren't right, shouldn't have been trusted in the end, you know? Yeah, no, absolutely. I think that is exactly right. Yeah, and then finally I mentioned with Dengar yelling poodoo. I mean, you know, <laughs> it was the McClunky uh, of its time. Um, yeah, yeah, no, I think uh, I think that is a, is a good poodoo. We, I, we haven't, uh, well, we'll get into it. We'll get into it because we're going to talk about Canon and Laura. Mm-hmm. I got too excited to talk about Dengar, but we'll talk about Dengar a little bit. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about some uh, favorite Canon and Lore connections to other stories. Mm-hmm. Um a uh, couple things that I have written down um, right away off the bat when Dooku is giving his assignment and he says, go there and wipe the witches out, all of them. Yep. Uh, 
Do you think that he just naturally talks like that, or, or do you think he is he's trying to quote his boss, Darcidius? I, I think it's a little bit of the Sith playbook. Like uh, he's heard Sidious play this, uh, say this, or heard of it. Like they're saying, like I, then, then I said, wipe them out, all of them. And Duke is like, oh, that's great. Yeah, and I'm going to try to be the tough Sith, Sith Lord that the world needs to fear. Yeah, all of them. Do you is, is that repetition okay for you? Totally okay with me. Yeah, yeah, yeah and it's, and you, you know, you and I have you know been talking, and, and you were tracking kind of that season one, season two, uh, what Filoni calls we're just a bunch of fans writing Star Wars type of vibe that pops up in the show a lot. I, I still think it's present at times in Clone Wars, and it just makes sense. It's the only thing we had, right? We weren't talk, we weren't seeing movies or anything else, and talking about too much nostalgia. We just were seeing this, and it was a lot more fun at the time. I, I'm happy where we are now, as a Star Wars fan, obviously. Uh, but yeah. You know what I mean? Like I, I didn't rub that kind of stuff. Didn't rub me the wrong way. Uh, back then doesn't rub me wrong way now but even back then it was like a, it was a chuckle it was a cool it's like oh yeah i've heard that before yeah and there's some of those season one season two episodes where they're they're trying to keep i've got a bad feeling about this and almost every episode either wilhelm screams <laughs> yeah. you know everywhere and a lot of different uh callback lines and then and then it does uh thin out and then when they're there i think they hit harder right like mm. when yeah. you get when you just got a poodoo in and all of them <laughs> yeah yeah then they hit harder um another thing was the uh uh I thought this when I watched the episode and then I verified it that the uh, awful machines, the defoliator tanks, uh, that is what really puts the Night Sisters uh, in harm's way. Uh, that is indeed a Lock Durd's weapon from mm. the Defenders of the Peace episode in season one of Clone it, Wars. It is. Good pull. Yeah. And, and it's uh, it's really effective. Like you look at it, it is a weapon of war that is uh, not pretty. Uh, I, I like the use of it, though. It's so in the great Star Wars vein of this mm-hmm. this machine just yep. destroying, you know, nature. 100%. It, it, effective in the sense of, like, yeah, you're scared of it. You're rooting against it. Yeah, and you extra feel it because the Night Sisters are so attached to, you know, yeah. their environment. It's particularly cruel, yeah. Yeah, and then it's just, it, Lock Durd is <laughs> <laughs> such... Such a weird, uh, I believe, one-off villain, at least on screen, yeah. uh, that it is weird to, to be haunted by the legacy of uh, Lock Dirt <laughs> in this episode. That's a great. Uh, so this uh, story with uh, Talzin of her uh, seeming to kind of disappear into his spirit form and survive the massacre that way, uh, if anybody is listening and does not know, I'm sure many of our listeners do, uh, that storyline and Talzin's efforts uh, for revenge against the Sith that all resolves in the comic book Star Wars, uh, Darth Maul, Son of Dathomir, um, which uh, was one of the few things that got uh, pulled back into canon. It got republished by Marvel, so it is uh, uh, relatively accessible. And I think, Ken, when we uh, get to its point in The Clone Wars, we should maybe talk about that comic. What do you think? Uh, yeah, we should take a swing through it. Indeed, it is uh, is very Clone Wars. You know, you look at you, you're like, oh, this is storyboards for an episode. So, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And just so much happens in it. And it really is the resolution of a, mm-hmm. a lot of these episodes that uh, I, I'm glad that this story is out there, but I wish yeah. we could get uh, animated versions of it. Agreed. Uh, and then, of course, uh, these episodes uh, set up really a ton for the video game Jedi Fallen Order, right? Uh, the uh, This massacre is what the character Marin survives, right? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. I thought about that a few times watching this. Yeah, did you enjoy doing that? Because I know you you uh, maybe struggle with the gameplay sometimes, but you like the story of Jedi Fallen Order. Mm. Uh, like uh, many of us, you really like the character of Marin. Did you enjoy thinking, uh, where, 
where's Marin? <laughs> where's she hiding? Yeah, no, I, I did. I, a little bit, uh, you know, who's hiding behind the tree, you know, and how she's running off. And and, uh, and I love that kind of storytelling and who else survived and all that kind of, yeah. And, and, and going back to visit um, Adath and Mary. Yeah, yeah, I've said before, yeah, the, the gameplay of Fallen Order, some of the things in it aren't, aren't my favorite, but the story and the, and, and the story of trauma and get through it is so good. And, and the character and Marin's one of the best in that, in that, in that uh, video game. Looking forward to more. So, yeah, I'd love to hear a little bit more about uh, the aftermath of that. Yeah, absolutely. That would be some great Star Wars storytelling. Uh, and then we uh, go back to Tatooine, right? Uh, you've got some Jawas pointing at vehicles and saying Utini. Yes. <laughs> uh, is that a, is is an Utini just always welcome? Absolutely is always welcome. Absolutely. If, if, I, if I see a, a Jawa and I don't hear Utini, then what are we doing here? What are we doing here? Uh, then we talked a little bit about Chalman's Cantina. Uh, it looks like uh, Zutton Snaggletooth is uh, hanging out there. Um, right. We've got a brief Embo sighting uh, and his Anuba Merrick, which is great. We'll, uh, the Anuba Merrick will feature more in a future Embo episode uh, in mm-hmm. a future season. Uh, but then I, for me, like the big canon connection, Ken, that I wanted to talk to you about is that at Chalman's Cantina, you are guaranteed that if there's a murder, music will pause for a moment. (laughs) It's a very attentive uh, music scene there. (laughs) How do you feel about that? I mean, that is, I mean, (laughs) there's, there's nothing that's, there's nothing in the way it's shot or framed that is trying to make you go. It's like when Obi-Wan Kenobi did it. Right. But it is, it's a lightsaber at the bar. The music stops. Everybody's awkward about it. And it starts up again. I mean, get, hear me out. This visit to Chalman, especially when it happened in season four, I, I, we hadn't gone there before, right? To my knowledge, again, trying to remember, mm-hmm. we've covered a lot of episodes, hadn't spent a lot uh, of Yeah, um, uh, Baron Papanoida. Bar- Baron Papanoida, you're, you're right. We hadn't, but we hadn't spent too much time there, and it just kind of shows up, and not a lot is called out to it. You know what I mean? Like, it isn't. You either pick it up or you're not, or you're not. You know, pick up. You pick up the booth that they're sitting in, or, or you don't. And so, even the music and kind of repeating the beats, I, I, I like the way they presented in this episode. Yeah, I just I love the idea that it's kind of standard because, like, well, you know, maybe maybe the gig's over, so just pause for a second. Like, yeah, we're all good. We're all good. All right, all right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> and pick it up. It's it's a very impressive band that can do that. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I also I also wanted to talk about uh, young Dengar and just just the vibe there. You know, um, I think mm-hmm. growing up, uh, I liked Dengar. He's one of the action figures. He's one of the bounty hunters. Cool. And then as I got older, and people were like, eh, it's kind of just dumpy, and he looks like he's got a head wound. What what's the deal with him? Uh, so then to see here, young Dengar, uh, how do you feel about that? I actually really love it, especially digging into it a little bit, looking on some of the trivia gallery stuff on StarWars.com, um, how George kind of was behind this idea of going, no, 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 it wasn't a head wound that he wrapped badly. It was it was uh, like like a turban. It was it was part of him, and, and this is the younger version of him. And Dengar, there's, there's, I think there's a special place in a lot of our uh, hearts because Dengar, for, for our generation, Joseph, is one of those early names you learn, right? It is... Right. You you wow people with knowledge going, his name is Dengar. Um, you're not going to win any trivia contests later on in life with that. But uh, <laughs> so I, I, there's something, especially now and in, in going to 2019 and Rise of Skywalker where, you know, it's, you're led to believe that is a very, uh, you know, uh, changed and modified Dengar at the bar there. Yeah. Rothgar Deng, I believe. Right. Is the name. 
uh, that's a long life with a lot of changes. And to go back to the beginning, it's uh, it's bittersweet. You know, yeah, I want better for Dengar, but the way he acts, Simon Pegg does a great job with the voice. Uh, you know, you can see you got a lot of bad things coming, and maybe it's over. Maybe you deserve some of it. Yeah, I liked putting the, uh, uh, I read that trivia gallery thing too of like, yeah. Lucas going, it's not a head wound, it's a it's a fashion choice, uh, yeah. put some <laughs> yeah. uh, some designs on it, so that's what it looks like, and he's he's got similar armor, but <laughs> yeah. I think a part of what it is for me is like, the choice to slim him down, right? Right. And make him just really do- seem like, hey, I got, I got, I'm young and I'm spry and I'm with it and I'm flirting. And then just like, oh man, I, I had a rough life, you know, like everything from his face to his posture, to the condition of his armor. It just looks like I, I am not body shaming Dengar, no, no, no. but just, <laughs> but narratively it looks like the vibe is that he's just been like, yeah. things have only gone okay for old Dengar. Dengar is a grocery shopping with sweatpants on. He don't care. <laughs> That's how we see with Empire. There we go. There we go. Yeah, I it, it, I couldn't really remember. I knew Dengor was in this, but I kind of didn't remember exactly what the take was, and I yeah. really liked it. Yeah, I do, too. Uh, so we talked a little bit about Boba Fett. Um, did you like that he had the uh, the kind of proto-armor? Did you like mm-hmm. that this was a, a step on his path where he was kind of a leader, but he wasn't great at it yet? Yeah, it actually makes it a, a like a real solid choice to have him there, like an actual good use of the character, good use of the story. It is not a nostalgia uh, dump right there. If he had just been, you know, uh, not quite fitting into his father's gear, <laughs> you know, would have, uh, would have uh, been a cheap in the moment for me. Um, would have been, a, wouldn't have been a complete failure or anything, but just, I'm glad we got this point, this Boba at this point, it's an interesting look and, and to see that uh, he was still on his journey again, not quite where he wants to be yet. Yeah. I really, really love just in general, watching the whole shape of the clone wars uh, that is it's expanding. They're they're going like, okay, here's the characters that we're finding interesting. We want to spend time with them, and we want to let let people see them as multifaceted characters. And we're tracking Boba Fett. We're tracking Asajj. This is a later season four episode where like, there's no Ahsoka, no Anakin, you know, no uh, Obi Wan, you know, no Yoda. It's these we care about these characters enough to give them their entire own episode, yeah. um, and, and really kind of mark a part of their a chapter in their story um and it's it makes me excited for book of boba fett of course but it still also makes me really want to see young boba fett's arc completed in Mm. bad batch season two yeah that'd be great i want to see him get that dent get that dent take the crown from cad bane yeah Yeah. uh i'm all for that Uh, i know some fans are mixed but i'm all in on that uh, final thing for me for canon and lore is just, uh, again, I think most of our listeners know this, but if anybody doesn't, uh, that a lot of Asajj's journey that started here, we do see her again in the Clone Wars, but a lot of her journey that started here uh, concludes in the novel Dark Disciple. There's a bunch of Clone Wars episodes that were initially written by Katie Lucas that were then uh, novelized. And I, it's been several years since I read that novel, but man, did I like it. It's really unique and, and really special. Yeah, Christy Golden does a great job with it. And it's one of those that's kind of on my mental list of when I I have a moment from reading other Star Wars books. I'd love to revisit <laughs> that one. Uh, remember it, love it, took it in, but you know, so much new Star Wars content has come out that I want to go uh, live through that one again. Exactly. Any other canon or lore connections that you noted? Uh, uh, you covered uh, such a wonderful uh, wide array. A lot. I get a lot in these episodes. A lot going on. A lot of characters showing up. Uh, and, and just when you're laughing and pointing fingers at Dengar, some serious stuff is going on. So the story <laughs> moves. Exactly, exactly. Anything you disliked or questioned? 
I, honestly, no, I really don't. I think these are two wonderful episodes, so well put together, such a great perspective from the writing side, uh, and they're really effective. And and you know, Ventures is this character that uh, you know her popularity rises uh, first with the the Tartakovsky ones, and then and comes back here, and they and they bring her along. They go, all right, yeah, let's cool, let's develop this character, and, and it becomes something more. And, you know, lots going on in the war at this time. Lots going on in Anakin and Obi-Wan's life. You know, Obi-Wan's still probably recovering from his face being turned into Rocco Hardin. And you take the time that this character deserves uh, to talk to talk uh, about her and to tell this part of her story. And I think I love that as a Star Wars fan. Yeah, I'm right there with you. There's nothing I really disliked or questioned. I think these are great episodes, really putting a highlight on, on great characters. This is a Sasha story, but we get a little... Uh, Boba Fett, a little dash of Dengar. <laughs> <It's> a, great, <laughs> a great Star Wars dish. Uh, is there anything that we haven't talked about that you wanted to touch on? Uh, no, no, absolutely not. Uh, other than, uh, you know, I'll, I'll hang out with the Night Sisters. I'll go, I'll go uh, party at the campfire. Absolutely. I will go, uh, you know, dance to my own tune <laughs> <laughs> with the Night Sisters. That'd be great. I always like to shout out the great voice work of Barbara Goodson as Mother Talson. It's so weird and mm. great. I absolutely love it. Yeah. Uh, so as we wrap up here, we always like to wrap up with this fun question. If we could have a toy or a figure of any kind based on this arc, uh, who or what would you want? What I would want is a Night Sister Lego playset complete with old Daka in a little cave. Oh, that's a really good one. Oh, yeah, because old Daka, I mean, we didn't even talk about her. That, like, that, yeah. that design is so great. She's not, there's a lot going on there. A lot going um, on, yeah. Yeah, that would be an old Daka minifig. Yeah, let's go for it. Yeah, um, yeah absolutely. Uh, give, me, uh, think- yeah, give me a Daka, a Talzin, a Ventress, and like three Night Sisters, and then maybe a Battle Droid and Grievous. <laughs> Just one battle droid to torture yeah. again and again. Yeah. 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 Love it. Love it. Um, I would love a young Boba proto suit, uh, action yeah. figure. Nice classic three and three quarter. That'd be great. Um, mm, yeah. I like that, uh, Asajah's outfit changes as she goes through this identity crisis. Right. Yeah. Um, so I would love a three and three quarter two pack called Asajah's identity crisis <laughs> and, you could have the Night Sister outfit and then the really cool, mm-hmm. I don't know, I guess I'm going to be a kind of bounty hunter person. That yeah. outfit with the the purple oh, and the black. Yeah, and uh, the snake imagery on it. Uh, great use of the, you know, misunderstood creature, I think is the intention there. Uh, that's great. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And mm-hmm. then the final thing, Ken, uh, this is a kind of an expensive uh, product, but I think a lot of people would buy it. Mm-hmm. I want a lamp inspired by these uh, episodes. Uh, where the base is Dooku's body writhing in pain, and <laughs> yeah. then the light-up element is Mother Talzin exploding <laughs> Talzin. from his gut. <laughs> Talzin's upset stomach of taunts. <laughs> and now I got to see if there's a gif of Dooku going, cleared <laughs> out the magic, better out than in. Um, <laughs> a lot of great toys. Uh, next up is uh, Season 4, Episode 21, Brothers. Season 4, Episode 22, Revenge. Uh, these are the final episodes of Season 4. It should line up well for us that we'll uh, talk about those and then uh, take a break for Boba Fett, mm-hmm. the book of Boba Fett. Excited to get into that uh, Return of Maul 
arc. Ken, uh, what should the moral of this episode of our podcast be? Well, you know, I've uh, both when we were still, uh, you know, on Anchor and then now on switching to Acast, I've had to take a, a dive in some of our older podcasts, uh, some of the first episodes where the quality of, of, of sound, uh, uh, just even some of my own thoughts just uh, fall short of my my standards. And so it's a reminder that if uh, the, 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 the past, uh, your podcast past uh, comes to light in your future, let go of the past and take the right steps forward. And hopefully that includes a night sister dance party. <laughs> go happily into your future dancing with the night sisters uh, if they will let you uh that sounds absolutely great do you want to let people know where they can find us would absolutely love to we are the four center podcast we're on twitter at four center pod we're on instagram and youtube as well our uh, episodes are rebroadcast there in the audio form on youtube some of you like your, your podcast there uh check that out like our facebook page at four center podcast get an audio book on us by going to audibletrial.com slash four center you can get merch at tpublic.com slash user slash four center uh, podcast available in a lot of different places with our switched a cast some new places will start popping up so look for those we'll keep you updated on that we have a show going on right now on the companion app called databank dive uh look for that on our tweets we got information on how to hear that show on the companion app it's exclusive to them uh you can support us directly at patreon.com slash four center or uh you know just uh tell your friends about us we appreciate that as well you can follow me at ken napsock go to my website kennapsock.com for joseph uh you can go here where he's gonna tell you yeah, you can find me on all the social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok is at Joseph Scrimshaw. And for all of my other comedy adventures, you can check out my website at josephscrimshaw.com. But for now, for myself, for Ken, for Dooku's lock of hair, this has been the Clone Wars Report. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. 
Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.